This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paul flying solo tonight, bringing the first edition of the tour around the league. Thrilled to get this thing going again this year. Hopefully, we can get all the teams covered before anything major happens. Hopefully, nothing major happens where you're tired and tired and tired of having very little baseball, too many distractions. So, you can tell I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. I am so ready for the tour in the league and the major league baseball season to get underway. Today's guests, we're looking at the New York Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. Jack Chokina from the George's Box podcast, we had him on last year, was a bit of a controversial guest for you guys. We had a little bit of a laugh about that. We get into the Yankees and what their expectations are this year. And then, later on, Neil Solens, who covers the Rays, their pregame and postgame shows, gives us the real insight on what the Rays are doing this year. It's hard to get good information on the Rays because they are one of the low-flying teams. There's not a whole lot that covers them. So it's great to get Neil's perspective. Adds a lot to it. Before we do, when I ask it over to Apple Music, we would appreciate a five-star review. We, sincerely, it makes our, our ratings go up. It gives us more coverage um, in terms of exposure. And we just really appreciate anything you got there. And also, check out our sponsor. We have Brooklyn. In, for these folks, they know what it means to be the average person who just wants to get up in the morning, feel like they've had a great night's sleep and comfortable, really comfortable sheets and bedding. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Nobody wants to sleep on in weak stuff, okay? So that's what they did. They were people who tried to find the beautiful home essentials they want. It didn't cost an arm and leg. And let's be honest, a lot of stuff out there does cost an arm and leg. So when they couldn't find it, they found a Brooklinen as a direct-to-consumer bedding company. They worked directly with manufacturers to make luxury Seriously, luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. And they have a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklyn has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products. that They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklyn is so much more than sheets. Brooklyn has comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear. Okay, they got more. So, this is what you got to do. Going over to brooklyn.com, use the promo code HALOS to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus they give you free shipping. That's brooklyn, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, and then the promo code HALOS to get $25 off when you, when you spend $100 or more, plus shipping. Again, one more time, brooklyn.com, 
and use a promo code HALOS at checkout. And just want to note this, okay? A lot of times we've had folks ask us how they can help us out. We usually don't do a whole lot. We've been really hesitant to ask a whole lot about sponsors this year because everybody's hurt. Everybody's been hurt. So if you do want to help us out, this is a way to do it. It hooks us up because we have our own code and they know exactly when we uh, when we send people to them. So if you need it or want it, go get it. Good company. Really good company. All right, moving on. Jack Joe Keenan from the Georgia's Box Podcast. Let's go. All right, everybody. Here for the Yankees preview for the tour around the league with Jack Joe Keenan from the Georgia's Box Podcast. Jack, a year ago, actually, you were one of our, shall I say, more controversial guests just because folks weren't used to the New York edge that came with you. We're glad to have you back today talking some Yankees. And What did I say? Did, uh, you did talked I point to, out that you guys wasted my Travis hey, career? Hey, you know what? Hey, you know what? I'll t- <laughs> a year ago, I, you know, I was, mo- I was reasonably optimistic when we talked. And then at the end of the year, we were all on board with you because we couldn't take another year of, of Mike Trout being um, not making the playoffs, being one of the best players in the game. So we'll see what happens now. But, you know, <laughs> it was hard to hear. It's always hard to hear when people say that. But, you know, the truth hurts a little bit. Got to be real about it. I can't believe it's been 30 years since you guys got Albert Pujols. I can't believe that that contract is <laughs> 30 oh. years. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, people are counting down the days until he leaves. It's not anything having to do with him personally. The, the contract has become such a weight, you know, a, a, an anchor. And get a World Series. Pardon me? It didn't get you a World Series. No, like, You didn't. knew that these years, like you knew this year, this year was always going to stink to have that contract. No mm-hmm. matter what, it was not going to be fun to pay that amount of money for this year. But you thought there was going to be a World Series or two that had happened during the oh, contract. Sure, and that sure, sure. Out. I mean, when they signed him, they were one of the best franchises in the league. They were constantly yeah. competing. They had a great farm system, and, and they blew it all up trying to get to the World Series. And they haven't been able to get the farm system, farm system right since then. And that, I think, is, was uh, Billy Upward's, you know, that was the end for Billy Upward. He did a good job of, of building up talent but developed few superstars in the system. And that was really, I think, what hurt them in the end. And now we're starting over again. We got That's some players. Lot. Got some players, but it's, it's not a balanced team. So we're, we, we, could be, they could be an 86-87 win team or a 70 win team. <laughs> we don't know until then. How tough is it to watch the Dodgers win? Um, you know... Watching the Dodgers win, it's not that difficult. I got to tell you, the hardest part, though, are the Dodger fans that, you know, make your life a living heck. You, you know, because you've done this to Mets fans for years. I mean, you've, come on, you know you have. You guys have been rubbing well, Mets. Well, no, so I don't know the dynamic. Like, you know, the Mets, the, like, the Mets are our little brothers. We know that. And uh, they know that. And I didn't know if it was a thing like you knew that. Like, well, you, are you guys well, brothers? Because you guys also, you know, it's not terror. It's not Mets long ago that you won a World Series. But you know what? Well, see, we lost our bragging point because we would sit there. Anybody want to talk trash about the Angels to us in Dodger land? 
we used to say, well, dude, at least we've won a freaking World Series in this century. Yeah. And that would shut them up. And they won the World Series. So they're like, oh, you know. But the, did they? Was that a World Series? I mean, yeah. if everybody starts in the same place, you all went through the same thing, I guess say it is. But on the same token. Yeah, but like, it's kind of the girl push ups of World Series. Oh, my. <laughs> Everybody's had the same starting point, everybody had the same end point. I mean,. Do we wish it was 162 games? Yeah, I do. I, I think, I mean, the, the Angels were actually starting to turn around towards the end there last year, and I think they probably would have competed for the at least the not the wild card spot at the end, and they just ran out of time. Oops. So, eh? Wow. You know, it's it, a new year. Well, here's the real thing. You know, the Dodgers are so good at producing in the farm system. It's what we used to be good at. And so as they keep feeding people through the pipeline, you know, what about us? What's Why can't we? We had this figured out for a long time. All of a sudden we lost our mojo. Now what? You know, what's going on? Why can't the Angels be that farm system again? I remember when the Yankees got cleaned themselves out and they were so good at rebuilding it in pretty short order. And the Yankees continually do it. And yeah. Uh, that we used to do what the Angels did. Well, what happened? Well, we know what happened. But <laughs> we know. I don't want to say it, but we know. So tell us about the Yankees. What are the prospects for this year after last year not going exactly how you wanted to go? I mean, it's all it's about health. Like it it's just it's about being healthy, staying healthy, getting healthy. Everything's about health. The talent's there. There's no, you know there's no way that with the immense amount of talent on this roster that you don't get to compete for a world series. If everyone stays healthy, like, cause not everyone can slump. We've had some historic years of injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, we had in 2019 more injuries than all the American wars put together. You know, we, it was, we, we were setting records and now, you know, so then we get rid of the training staff. We bring in a new one for last year. Everything gets kind of thrown off by COVID. They don't get to put in the offseason plan. Judge has uh, a rib injury, a broken rib that, you know, just went through the offseason with, you know, like things never really got going. But now we've had a full offseason. Today we find out about Zach Britton's uh, elbow. Bone Spurs, nothing you can do there. We'll miss him for two months of the regular season. He'll be out three months in total. Um, but we've got Sevy coming back. Like all you got to do is just stay healthy. Just stay healthy. We've got we're the monsters. We're the monsters. We've just got huge beasts of men, and all we have to do is keep them healthy. And last year we weren't able to do that. We missed Sevy for the whole season. We missed James Paxson for er, the season. So you end up, in that case, having to play, you know, black magic. You're pulling Debbie Garcia after the first inning. You're bringing Happen out of the bullpen. Jay Happ is on your team. That stinks. So, you know, as long as you stay healthy, we're in a position to win. With this team, in terms of how it's built, Will what will a 162 game season do to them? You know, are they built for the long haul? 
I mean, it's, I mean, it's the Yankees. I shouldn't be asking that question. But given the fact that we've seen injury problems over the last few years, I think it's a fair one. Oh, it's more than fair. It This is a make-or-break season. Like, you don't – so we really haven't done a ton. Like, we haven't made, like, a big splash this offseason. We got Cole last year. We haven't made a huge splash. What we've done is we've really bet a lot of the season on Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone coming back from throwing a combined inning last year, missing a lot of time. But banking on Kluber's a professional, he's a Cy Young winner, Tyone is a Cole guy. My big thing for the Yankees this year is we've now, Seve has missed last season, he's going to miss half of this season. CeCe's gone, Tanaka's gone, Paxton's gone, Hap's gone, and now this is Cole's, you know, almost like a quarterback room. Like, that mm-hmm. pitcher's room, that's Cole's. And Cole goes about things in a very professional manner. That's how he ended up being as good as he is. And with that, um, you know, he expects certain things of his teammates, of his catchers. I think that's why Gary didn't click with him last year. He's had a personal catcher a lot of the places that he's been. Um, but it, it changes the, you know, we were limping into the postseason and, and trying to play, you know, tricks to get by where now when you have Cole dominating it then you bring in a guy like Tyone who came up with him now you've taken three-fifths of the um rotation and made it a veteran disciplined team group that is overcoming some injuries which is okay then Montgomery comes over you know Guys start to fall in line because now mm-hmm. you've just got younger guys. Sevy comes back to you know a freight train that's moving along. Everyone gets in line. Everyone stays professional. You know, especially when you're. We also have Domingo Herman who's coming back from domestic abuse, missing a whole season. I got none for that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like it's not. It's not great. It's not great. So. Looking at the, um, and you just kind of broke down the starting starting lineup for us. What about in terms of pitching? What about your bullpen? Where is that at right now? I mean, we've got we've got a good bullpen now. We are we're going to be without Britain to start the season, but if your biggest problem is your eighth inning guy is going to miss two months, I can't get upset about that in March. It's physically impossible for me to get upset in March about my eighth inning guy. So, you know, uh, we've got Chapman, who as long as it's not a tie game or, you know, down one in the ninth inning of the World Series or an elimination game, like, then you're fine. He's lights (laughs) out. You get to game seven of the World Series, like, ah, you know, maybe good thing Britain's back. But, uh, and besides that, Chad Green throws hard. Justin Wilson's throwing hard. We brought him back. We brought in Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day is great because if you just picture being an opposing team, like being, you know, you're the you're the fucking Orioles or the Red Sox, and you stink this year because they're gonna. Mm-hmm. And it's Sunday, and it's August, and it's like it's about four o'clock. It's very hot. You've just been getting your teeth kicked in all weekend. And then 
you know, it's the seventh inning, and Boone goes out there, and in comes Darren O'Day with his underhand sidearm delivery. And you're just there like, oh, fuck, this guy again. That's a guy that you need in your bullpen. You need a guy that everyone goes, ah, no, not this guy, because he's just annoying. So, you know, the bullpen is set up to be successful, and there'll be opportunities for guys like Luizica, you know, to be long relief guys, because we are going to need some depth, uh, especially because Kluber is coming off missing a season. Tyone only has 120 to maybe, he says, 150 innings in him, but I don't know about that. So we're going to need some starts where it's like, oh, great, you know, hey, if we're up three after four innings, get Tyone out of there. Let's save some. Gotcha. Now, the lineup itself, in terms of where it's been in the past, where it is now, how is it different? How is it the same? This is the biggest fear, is it's exactly the same. We've made no changes. All we've done is we're banking on the new training staff, uh, some yoga, maybe some Pilates to elongate the muscles that Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton are going to stay healthy. Uh, Gary Sanchez has shown up to camp in, some people are saying the best shape of his life. I don't fully buy in yet. And he is mashing. Uh, then Glaber Torres was one of the worst defensive shortstops last year. He, you know, he got moved around a lot. Came in at short, moved to second, was coming up as a third baseman. Like he's moved around a lot. Now he is the shortstop for the Yankees. There was no doubt about it of like, hey, are they going to sign, resign Didi or not, like there was the previous year. And Cashman called him out and said that in 2020, he showed up out of shape. You know, he had hit 34 home runs, 36 home runs, and showed up out of shape. Now he's showing up ripped. His mobility's great. It looks like he's really worked on his defense. So we're just hoping that these guys have made the adjustments that are going to keep them healthy. And you know, hope for a little bit of magic. Like Luke Voigt, Luke Voigt's the home run king. Like we have the reigning home run king right now, as stupid as that sounds for a 60 game season. Like you just have to rely on if all these guys play at 70% of their potential, we're still better than everyone else in the league. So looking at the division right now, Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles, Blue Jays, how does this shake out? Your early uh, season predictions here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Yankees, then Rays. I mean, the Rays stay good. Like, who? you never know what you're going to get out of them. They're going to compete. I mean, they made it to the World Series last year. Um, but you just, you know, they don't, like, bring back a core. And they may start trading pieces off midway through the season. Um, so... But they do have so, some great young talent. So it could end up being a, a fight with them and the Yankees. But I think the Yankees have it. I think water finds its level in a 162-game season. I think the Blue Jays will be behind the Rays. They've got a young core um, that you know is, I think, a few pieces and a few years away. And then beyond that, you know, the Red Sox stink. And the Orioles are 
hot garbage. Like, who knows? The Red Sox could be a last place team uh, if the Orioles get like young, dumb, and just you know get hot enough to get fourth place. So, looking down in the future for you, because this 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 has been kind of it's been really the last couple of years. It's been Yankees Rays. Go yeah. two three years in the future here. Where is this division two three years from now? With how this division stacked up, where your farm systems are, where the rosters are. Oh, uh, like three years from now, it's yeah. probably a battle between the Yankees. The Blue Jays, if they hold, you know, if they hold it mm-hmm. together, you know, if they can, you know, they're a market that they need to get the, they need the Rogers Center to be full or whatever they call it, the Sky Dome, whatever it is now. But they need that to be full to justify spending money. Otherwise, you know, the, the place is empty even when they're competing some of the times. But when they had like those Jose Batista seasons, Edwin and Carnarcion, you're able to, um, you know, justify spending going and getting a David Price at a deadline, things like that. So if they go and they do that and they make that push again and, you know, financially it makes sense for them, they could be there competing. But I think the Red Sox will rebound. I don't think anything, I don't think the current Orioles ownership or like anything that I've seen out of them suggests that any of the moves that they, couldn't make or any of the draft picks or whatever are going to work out for them ever. They are terrible. So I mean, the reason why I was asking that is because I was very curious with the Blue Jays right now. Seeing young talent they've compiled in there, they've put some young stars there. Yeah. and But last time they did that, trade them all away. Yeah. Will the market and- support them? You know, that's it's one of those things of you want to have a good team, but do you support you know, bad teams still need support to get good. And, you know, they're not, if they're just making some money, winning enough games, you know, these are business owners. That's what they'll So, So who's the biggest threat to the Yankees right now in the American League? Probably the Rays. You know, I don't know, you know, the, the White Sox, have some good potential. Um, I mean, like Houston stinks now. I'm not really worried about anyone at West. It really, like, I think you you worry about the the Rays because otherwise, like, if Yankees run into the Twins in the playoffs, that's over. Don't even leave Minnesota. I mean, we've beat them like 15 straight playoff games. So, you know, that's really where it. Like, that's. As a, a franchise, like there are times where we lie to ourselves about it as fans. You know, when you get into the like 2014s of like, we're right there, we're right there. We're actually right there. I, it's what I imagine, it's what it's like to be a Patriots fan. Like, when, when's the playoffs? Let's just get to the playoffs and the season starts. Like, we've built all that can happen is bad and injuries in a regular season. So, you just kind of want to get to the playoffs. But, it's exciting to have baseball back. It's exciting to, uh, you know, to go through this, the the slog of a 162 game season and and watching. You know, I'm sure you watch a ton of games too. You know, you watch 140, 150 games. It's uh, buckle up. We're about to go on a journey. Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest thing I'm, I miss seeing fans in the ballpark is what I miss seeing. I missed the you know, the little things 
that we we tend to ignore before that all of a sudden I think will be nicer. You know, just a joy, I think, to going to the ballpark and heaven forbid fans be there. And, you know, these are fellow fans. Fans are cheering for the same guys you are, mostly. And everybody else just enjoys the game. You miss that. You really do. And that'll be nice to see. And one last question here, because you said it earlier. Yankees to you are clearly fair to win the World Series, but the National League, who's a oh, um, no, no, the I think the Dodgers are. I mean, the Dodgers are the defending champions. Well, hold on, you they just said earlier, in the, early in this interview, that you, they, you that the Yankees were. This is it for them. There's no way better in the league. Is is basically what you said. Yeah, well, so I don't really think about like I don't think about National League teams because you only have to worry about them for one series. But I think, you know, and, and I'm doing it out of kind of like respect to the Dodgers. Like if we get to the World Series against the Dodgers, I expect us to beat them. But out of respect, you know, they've they've won the World Series. They or, you know, whatever this championship was. They went out and uh they've invested in the team. They brought in Trevor Bauer, uh, which is gonna be it's such a it's gonna be interesting to watch. Because, you know, there were Yankee fans who were like, We gotta go after him, and it's I couldn't think of a worse fit personality wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but a great, great competitor. So, you know, I think it comes down to, and I feel like there's been this dance the past couple of years where you guys have made it. it, it we haven't lived up to our end of the bargain. Uh, um, and you guys being L.A. Uh, yeah, 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 my, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, uh, where we give, like, I think people want a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. If it's not going to be your team, what else would you want? You'd want to see that. Well, you know, it's, it's you look down right now, the teams in the league right now that are exciting to watch are going to be the most exciting to watch. Padres. Are going to, are going to be, well, yeah, the Padres will be there too. Yankees, Dodgers, Yankees, Padres. But quite frankly, how many people really care about the Padres? At least not yet. They're, they're still, they're, the stars are there, but seeing them play now with these new guys when you've seen guys play together and you know what they're capable of together, it's a different story. And this and it's the Yankees Dodgers. It's the freaking Yankees and Dodgers. It, that's those are you know two of the uh, crown jewel franchises in the league. I mean, no offense to the Padres or anything, but it's the Padres. It's kind of like saying yeah. Yeah, it's the Angels. Oh, you know, I mean, you want when you think of the World Series for this year, if it's not going to be your team in it, you want Joe Buck. Coming on and telling you well, that we're Buck, getting no. that not, we're not getting not. ready for, but it's gonna be on Fox. <laughs> so you know, but we are getting ready for Kershaw Cole, and tomorrow night it'll be Kluber and um, Bauer, and then Game Three we're looking at you know, and it just keeps going on and on, and then they're gonna have to face Judge and Stanton and Sanchez and Betts and uh, mm-hmm. the, you know. That's exciting but, shit. I mean, it, this would be the only time in the year you can get an Angels fan to cheer for the Yankees. Is if they're playing the Dodgers. We'll take it. be awesome about that, you know. All right, we'll so, Jack, can you let folks know where they can find you and find your work? Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter, at JJ from the Bronx. Uh, same on Instagram, although I'm mostly just posting uh, stuff about my dogs and my daughter there, so it's pretty boring. Um and you can listen to my podcast if you want to hear Yankee stuff and just like, you know, 
just two guys shooting the shit, uh, having a good time, but talking some baseball. Uh, George's box, uh, and I write for Bronx Pinstripes. But again, most of your listeners probably they're like, "Who the fuck is this guy? You brought this psycho back again." <laughs> but you're a good interview, and you got great perspective, and you know we want that at least. You, you don't want you don't want a guy who's like a you know a, a jerk, <laughs> and who's not at least not a good entertaining jerk you want you want the guy who, who brings perspective <laughs> you don't want the boring person man the boring people the boring jerks are just well boring jerks and i don't think you were a jerk i think you made a quality point you made a point that you know that some of us have thought about and we were willing to defend because we thought we when, when i talked to you last year we had it all figured out like, there's a plan we could see the plan we could see the blueprint and then the blueprint went to real quick, real quick. I mean, when they didn't get really anybody notable for pitching last year, starting pitching, man, that changed everything. And it showed. It showed. You need pitching, and they got to fix it. You know, and they may have. It may just, like, Otani's been phenomenal. Like, this is where, you know, Fingers crossed. No seances, no voodoo. Keep the guy healthy. And all of a sudden, you may have a number one. You may. We'll find out. So, um, I hope to talk with you again. Come Yankee Angel series. If anything, you can poke fun at us some more. Always fun to have you on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, take care, and we're out of here. So, here's the thing. I really enjoy Jack's perspective. It will tell you like it is, even when we don't want to hear it. Uh, for Mike Trout, I gotta be honest, heading into this season, I'm much more the pessimist than I've ever been. Not because the Angels did a bad job this offseason, they just still haven't really addressed things in a way that made me feel like, okay, we've turned a corner. And the real corner they're turning here is, is on Mike Trout's career. He's on the upside at 30 now. I mean, he's He's heading down the other path. Though. He's going towards retirement. And you only get so much more of his prime before he begins his twilight. So the Angels got to do something. They got to get done now. This is not a time to wait, not a time to play. And I'm hoping that next time I talk to Jack, we're talking about a rosier picture for the Angels. Now, his conversation with the Yankees here, I'm really pessimistic they can stay healthy. How do you all of a sudden just become a team that's healthy all the time? You train your training, You can change your training staff. But as we've seen with some of our guys, it's, we've gone through training staffs. There's something going on there. And once you've had players who get hurt, I mean, get hurt a lot, it's kind of hard to turn back the clock. So I'm really, I'm really, I mean, I'm really uh, iffy on the Yankees. When they're healthy, one of the best. Can they stay healthy? And that's the question. There's one team that's going to challenge them in, the, in that division this year. I don't think the Blue Jays are ready. I think the Red Sox are a couple years away. And, oh boy, the Orioles have some problems. But that team is the Tampa Bay Rays. Can they repeat last year with a few of the changes they had? I don't know. Let's go ask Neil Solens and see what he's got to say. All right, folks, it's part of our tour in the league. I'm here for the Rays today. Neil Solons, he is their pregame, postgame 
guy for the Rays. I've talked to you before, Neil, and last time I talked to you, I kind of dug in a little bit on the Rays situation with Montreal and Tampa. We talked, this is a year ago now. And is there any movement there about a new stadium? Any Anything that's changed since everything got shot down before? I, I don't know that anything has has changed. I, I think there's still there's still a lot of effort being put into the thought and the idea. Um, a lot of it behind the scenes, um, because I think the focus is on what's been a really really good team over the last several years, and I think probably will be a very good team again um, this year. Uh, to be frank, and you know, having won the you know, the, the AL championship last year and won the division in, in a very tough division. You know, I think that's kind of been the focus point front and center. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the folks, um, you know, who are, who are doing all the legwork on the other side are going to continue, you know, doing that, you know, when, when they have something substantial to talk about coming forward, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be out there. Now, when I talked to you before, I was very very curious because I didn't know anything about the situation. You actually kind of set me straight in a couple of things. When you're looking at the future, though, do you, I mean, in terms of on the ball field, I mean, this Rays organization has been outstanding in building a roster, building for the future and the present. So we know they're going to be fine on the field. But in terms of the organization in Tampa, are you optimistic about it? Yeah. You know, I, I still think that part of the home, whether it's part-time, you know, whatever it may be, if, if, if they can, you know, put together the sister city project and, and do it the right way, then it'll allow, and that's been the goal all along is to keep Tampa Bay as, you know, the home for this franchise for, you know, generations to come. And, and I think that's been the goal all along, um, you know, and, and, and I think while putting together a great product on the field, it really allows, um, you know, a, um, you know, I think it, I think it helps, you know, evolve and, and excite fans about, um, you know, just what they're putting together. And, and they have been a, a tremendous, tremendous organization um, since really the changeover from the Devil Race to the Race in 2008. I got to be honest, I, I was surprised when they changed the name to the Race. And man, that's been such a better change. <laughs> I got to be honest. Um, and it's worked out pretty well, I think. Uniforms to me look at least better. But when you're looking at the team from last season to now, a 60-game season going now back, hopefully, for a full 162 by the looks of it. And lots of changes made in the roster. Blake Snell's gone. I mean, you guys are pretty active out there in the trade market. How does this team compare to last year's, and where do you think it fits in the AL East? I think it's going to be, a, it's going to be different because of the way that the season has changed. I mean, you know, it, going from 162 games down to 60 and then back to 162, too, you know, I think for all teams, they're wondering about how much pitching are you going to need? How many pitchers can go how far? You know, if you went from 180 innings to 60, is your body going to be able to handle going back to 180? Or are we more likely to see a lot of pitchers go 140 and 150? And I think in the case of the Rays, um, I think they're going to be really flexible with their plan. And I think they've been able to collect a lot of good pitchers in bulk um, with the goal of not making up for Blake Snell and Charlie Morton with one or two guys, but with doing it with a group of guys where you may see, you know, eight to 10 pitchers that throw between 100 and 150 innings on this roster. And 
they're going to carry the shoulder of the load, but they're not asking anyone to, you know, to go to that 200 area. And I think they're going to have to use their pitching staff differently. But I think this season particularly dictates that there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I think this is a unique and interesting way. And I'm kind of curious to see how it plays. Either way, I think it's going to be a really good team pitching-wise. And I think it's probably going to be a better team offensively than people realize as well. What made it better offensively? I know I'm looking at I'm looking at you guys' transaction sheet. And there's just you guys made moves everywhere. Well, I mean, on the on the position player side, really, by and large, if you look at the end of the season last year, the whole team is is almost back. I mean, you know, Jumon Choi played the majority of the time at first base. Brandon Lau at second base. Willie Adams at short. Yandy Diaz, Joey Wendell at third. Mike Brosseau was a you know a really nice utility player. Randy Rosarena, you know, for a full season in the outfield. Austin Meadows is back and fully healthy um, as, as we, we speak. And Kevin Kiermeyer and Manuel Margot. I mean, really the whole group from a position player side is back. The only change they really made was Randy Rosarena now, you know, a full season. And, and that ended, you know, what was kind of a limited opportunity for Hunter Renfro. Um, and then, you know, uh, at the backup catcher spot, Michael Perez is no longer the backup to Mike Zanino, and Francisco Mejia was brought in in the Blake Snell trade. And then I think as the year goes on, the question is, is how many of the Rays really outstanding prospects like Wander Franco, Vidal Brujan, mm-hmm. Taylor Walls are going to be ready, and what avenues, opportunities will there be for those guys to get to play? But, you know, even without the changes, this team was 12th out of 30 clubs um, offensively in terms of runs scored per game. And that was with a down Austin Meadows, an injured Jimon Choi, an injured Yanni Diaz. And, and I kind of think with those guys healthy, with a full year of Randy Rosarena, I'm not looking for a dramatic jump, but even if this team went from 12th to 9th in the league and runs scored, that's in the top tier. And if they're continuing to get top-tier pitching, um, it's going to make them a really, really tough team to beat. And that's kind of how I look at this group. When we look at the Rays over the years, it's been very smart development in the farm system. It's been um, shrewd moves in the, in the trade market and really just a consistent organization all around. What has made them as successful overall as they have been at the organizational level? Like what's the, what is the main if, you, if, there's, if there's one thing they're doing that's better than anybody else or close to, what is it? Um, I, I think there's probably a couple things. Um, it's hard to boil it down to one um, for me. I, I think, A, they realize, um, know thyself, and they know who they are, and they don't try and be someone else. You know, they, they um, have a philosophy. They're able to stay to it. Um, and they realize that you know, they have to constantly, there are, there is going to be change on the roster. And I think part of that is just the way the whole baseball system is currently set up. Um, you know, for instance, if you have a player like Blake Snell or in the past, David Price or James Shields, um, you know, whoever it may be, the Rays aren't in a position where if that guy, if you keep them all the way to free agency, that they're just going to find a replacement for that guy. Because if you're getting that player at a prime time in their career, then you're, you're not going to be able to um, afford that and probably the rest of your roster in realistic terms is a lower revenue club. 
So the best way to be as competitive as they can for as long as they can is they have to make difficult decisions. Um, and that means, you know, bringing in multiple players, um, talented players, for maybe a player that, you know, under ideal circumstances, you'd love to hold on and, you know, and keep them a array forever. But, you know, you have to be flexible. Um, and I think they realize that they have to have players coming from three buckets. And those buckets are um, the trade market, the, you know, the major league, the domestic draft in the United States, um, and, and, port, and, and territories in, you know, in Canada, et cetera. And then the international market, you know, and being able to sign players effectively from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela and so on. And, and I think that they have been really good in all those areas. Um, you know, we touch on trades a little bit, but I mean, you know, they've, you know, Blake Snell was a guy who they drafted and developed. Um, you know, Brandon Lau is a guy they drafted and developed. Kevin Kiermaier is a guy they drafted and developed. Um, and then you look at their farm system right now and Wander Franco and Vidal Brujan are guys that they signed internationally. And Taylor Walls was a guy who they drafted and Josh Lowe was a guy they drafted. And so I think they have found a really good balance between those three areas of, you know, um, you know, of being able to draft and sign players and being able to trade for players that can help them. And they understand what works best for them. Um, and, you know, I think they've been really, really smart. And, you know, I like the additions they've made in the off season. And, you know, it, ideally, you'd love to be able to keep guys like Charlie Moore and Blake Snell on board. But, you know, knowing um, the situation, and, and I think part of it, you know, this year specifically had to do with the way COVID impacted everything. Um, you know, I, I think they've positioned themselves uniquely well to be a really competitive team in the division and, for that matter, the entire American League. Now, when you're looking at the American League East right now, the Yankees are always there. The Red Sox, there's questions there. Orioles rebuilding. Blue Jays, young team there. Where are the Rays right now? I think they're going to be a competitive team for the division. Um, you know, I really think it's going to be a unique season with a war of attrition. And I think, you know, the four teams that have the best chance to contend, the, the, the Rays, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, they all have question marks. And probably a lot of them are going to revolve around pitching and health of pitching. Um, you know, I think the Yankees are a dynamic team offensively, but, I mean, they've not been able to keep Aaron Judge and Sean Carlos Stan on the field um, consistently um, in a 162-game mm -hmm. schedule. Um, they, you know, made some really good acquisitions on paper in Jamison Tyone and, and um, Corey Kluber, but none of, neither of those guys pitched last year. Um, you know, from a health standpoint, so how much can you get out of them? And they're replacing Jay Happ and Masahiro Tanaka, um, uh, you know, and and because of that, uh, and James Paxton. So because of that, you're wondering, okay, how many innings will they get out of those guys? Um, I think the Blue Jays probably, while they fortified their offense and their defense by adding George Springer and Marcus Simeon to a really talented young group, Similar question, you know, from, a, you know, their perspective. Hunjun Ryu is their ace, but he's averaged 20 starts this season, or closer to 20 starts than 30 starts. Um, you know, Nate Pearson, as we speak, is, is a little banged up. Um, you know, Robbie Ray has not had what you would call really good full seasons at the big league level recently. So, so there are questions in their rotation. And I think the Red Sox, similarly, the health of Nathan Evaldi, Eduardo Rodriguez didn't pitch last year. 
when does Chris Sale come back? Garrett Richards, you know, has had a history of health issues and they signed him as a free agent. So for me, a lot of this comes down to a war of attrition and who's healthier and deeper. Um, and I think the Rays' greatest strength is, you know, that that's probably where they're at their best, is being as deep as possible. It, that the, you know, the Yankees have the, the superstars like, you know, Judge and Stanton and mm-hmm. LeMahieu. The Rays probably have a lot of really talented players that maybe aren't as well-known throughout the game, but they're, the drop-off from player number one to player number 40 or 50 is a lot smaller than when you look at some of the other bigger clubs. And, and so, um, you know, they signed a Rich Hill and a Michael Walker and a Colin McHugh uh, and Chris Archer to go along with Tyler Glasnow and Ryan Yarbrough. And then they've got the youth development of Luis Patino, who they got in the Blake Snell trade, and um, Shane McClanahan, who was a guy that they drafted. Uh, and hopefully at some point this year, a healthy Brendan McKay. Um, and then they've got guys who they've had, you know, in their organization like Trevor Richards and Josh Fleming, who did a nice job. And you start to see a group of guys who give you a lot of depth, who can give you a lot of innings between 100 and 150. And you balance that out over the course of the year and that on a strong bullpen, you know, hopefully will allow you to get back to where you want, which is, you know, to get to the postseason for a third straight year. Now, mention the postseason, looking at the rest of the American League with the rise of the White Sox, you still have the Indians, the Twins, you go out, out west, the Astros are not what they were, but they're still, they're still a threat. Where do you see the race stacking up against this American League? It's a good question. A lot of it depends on how deep the divisions are and who you're playing. Like, for instance, I think the National League East is probably the the deepest National League division. Obviously, the Dodgers and the Padres are two really good teams. But if you look at the balance of the East, the Rays and the AL East will have to take on the NL East. All five of those teams can be particularly tough depending on when you're facing them. Um, So, you know, those 20 games and how well you fare could help determine how well you fare compared to the rest of the American League clubs because they don't have to face um, you know, one division will get the Central, one will get the West. You know, you hope you draw the right straw and don't have to face more games against the Dodgers and Padres than you do against the Giants and the and the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Um, you know, I think in the in the AL Central, I think that Kansas City and Detroit have probably improved a little bit more than people realize, and that'll balance that division out a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure what stat state the Mariners are in. They're very young and they're still a couple of years away. Um, so I'm kind of curious and Texas is, is young. So does that mean that Oakland and Houston um, and the Angels may be able to win some more games because of who's in their division and how many games you play in your division um, versus the other way around? So I think overall, I think, I think the difference between the American and National League is the National League has a couple of a really balanced division, um, a few really, really good teams. I mean, Atlanta, L.A., and San Diego are really, really good. Mm-hmm. I think there are some teams in the East that are close to Atlanta, but I don't think there's a team in the Central that's close to Atlanta and the Dodgers and the Padres. So I think, in contrast, the American League may not have a runaway team that's as strong as the Dodgers or Padres or Braves, but they have a lot of really good teams. Um, so I think there's probably going to be a little more balanced in terms of the win total. You know, the Rays were 40 and 20 in the short season. I don't see any team winning 108 games. That was the pace they were on last year. 
Um, I think you're going to have a tough time in the American League winning 100 games. Um, so I think there are a lot of going to be a lot of teams in the 80s and 90s, and you know, doing the little things um, over the long haul is probably what's going to get you near the top. Um, and, and hopefully the Rays will be one of those five teams in the playoffs come come October. It does seem like the American League is going to be more of a challenge for the uh, you know for the the uh, you know the the contenders to really kind of make their way into the top five and, and get in there. I look at the National League and think, geez, oh, Pete's the Dodgers, Padres are just stacking themselves up. You're right, the Braves are good, and you know I I wonder in the end if that's going to make for a better season in the American League. I mean, this is going to be com- compelling baseball from start to finish. And you mentioned the AOS, our division out here. We we don't know what to expect, really. I we, We've been talking about the Angels all offseason, and a lot of it's the same old, same old stuff, but yet you still have some very some really good players out here. And the Quetzal staff, you go to Houston, and Houston lost folks, but they're still, they still got a lot of talent there. We don't know what to expect from Oakland at all. I mean, they, they lost Simeon, and yeah, we don't know. But yet, I kind of like it. I kind of like no one really knowing what's going on in the American League right now. I'm curious. I, I, I'm sure that the Yankees will be considered the the overall favorite, um, and that's that's you know I think the Rays have probably performed at their best when they're considered the underdog. I mean, you know I've seen some people nationally pick the Rays as the fourth place team because they don't have Blake Snell and Charlie Morton, and I think everybody wishes them a lot of success. You know, I still wonder in a full year how much both of those guys are going to pitch. Um, Blake threw 50 innings last year and 120 the year before. Um, you know, Charlie Morton's most innings in his career was in 2019 with the Rays. You know, he's now in his upper 30s. Is he going to be able to, you know, approach that number or 150 or 140 or what, you know, what kind of health is he going to have? And, um, you know, I, I think... You know, the Rays are kind of doing it differently this year. And part of that also is the injuries they had last year. They lost three players to Tommy John, um, you know, and had a fourth suffer a shoulder injury. So because of all those challenges, um, you know, they're having to um, put their pitching staff together in a different way. And I think they're also realizers there's not one necessary way to do it. I mean, if you look at football teams that are built, you know, some teams will run a lot of three wide receiver sets. Some teams will, you know, use, you know, uh, their running game more. Some teams will be wide open at five wide receivers. And, and there's no one style that defines success. It's really sticking to who you are and using your personnel in the best way possible. And I think a lot of the race success is doing that. So, Neil, well, as always, great to catch up with you. Great to hear about what's going on with the, with the race. Can you let folks know where they can follow your work? Sure. Um, they can follow me at Neil Solons, which is N-E-I-L-S-O-L-O-N-D-Z. Um, I'm obviously on Twitter, and um, we do a, a race podcast um, on a regular basis, in season, out of season, um, and and uh, occasionally, you know, do you know, depending on what's going on during the year. But I would say, on average, at least one a week, um, in addition to doing pre and post game shows for the race. Awesome. Thanks again so much. Looking forward, hopefully, to talking to you again during a season and actually previewing an Angels race series. We didn't have a chance to do it last year because everything hit the wall, but it's always great talking to you, and thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, I'm curious as to what our listeners thought of, you know, everything these two guys talked about today concerning both the Yankees and the Rays. If you can, hit us up on Twitter, send us an email at talkinghills.gmail.com and let us know what kind of impression you got on each one of these teams. I'm... I'm a believer in the race. They've got a system out there. They make things happen, and they make them happen pretty quickly. They find a way to get the best out of talent. They've got a great farm system. They have a lot to like, and I can only imagine what they would do with a budget like the Yankees, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I don't think the Yankees have that division cut and dry. I think the Rays could be a team that struggles a bit because you never know what you're getting when a team has to live on the edge. You don't have the extra money to go out there and just get a guy you need. But they're so well run, it shouldn't surprise anybody if they're backing it again this year, winning the division, getting the playoffs, getting back the series. I mean, it's, the American League is a lot more wide open than the National League is. The National League is pretty much the Dodgers at that number one level, and the Braves. The, the American League has a lot of really good teams with one or two maybe having potential being great. So, We'll see. Now, the Angels, we'll see how they do as well. They've had some solid-looking guys here in spring training. So here's my second call for you, okay? We really want your feedback. Who have you enjoyed seeing in spring training? What has surprised you? Send us an email at talkinghales.gmail.com. Again, or you can tweet at us. Really appreciate hearing from you. All right, folks. It's time for me to get out of here. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Halos. But... The action for us is usually on Facebook or just by listening to the show. So get back to us here. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Have a great one. And we'll be back with Jared's show on Friday morning. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.